Hello and welcome to Style and Substance, a branding and business podcast for inspired and empowered entrepreneurs. I'm Elizabeth Cairns and together with my fabulous co-host Fiona Humberstone, we're here to help you sidestep the hustle, keep joy at the forefront of your work and champion a more meaningful and sustainable approach to business. We'll talk about everything from purpose to productivity, from colour psychology to creativity, where to start and how to keep going, how to stay inspired, empowered, and more importantly, sane in the process. We hope you enjoy the show. And if you do, please like, share, subscribe, and keep listening. Hello, 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 lovely listeners. So good to be back for episode two of season five. We've talked a bit before about passion. We talked a little bit before about purpose. And today feels like an opportunity to bring those things together and explore how they link with creating a positive impact in your business. And we'd love to get into what it means to move beyond just profit and to start exploring contribution because it's I think it's quite important at the moment right yeah well I think the two go hand in hand don't they you know you always say if a business isn't profitable it's not a business and yet at the same time I think if we're simply relentlessly pursuing profit at at whatever cost then actually that is unfulfilling it's unrewarding and it's not something that many of us can sustain in the long term is it so I think both of us are really passionate about the wider impact that business makes yeah absolutely and I think in the broader more corporate setting savvy companies have been wising up to this for quite a long time yeah we've got scores like ESG points and it's well known that investors are looking for high scores on those points and sorry what are ESG points it's environmental (laughs) social and corporate governance so these are the sort of markers that assess your sustainability and your impact both on an environmental scale and a society scale okay and one of the reasons this has come up for me quite a lot recently is quite a few of my clients are now moving towards becoming B Corps which is brilliant Because they are recognising that they want to have a better impact. They want to be thinking about things more widely than just the sphere of their micro business and their personal impact. And just looking at at the bigger footprint of what they can make. And B Corp, for those of you who haven't looked at it, have five areas of assessment, if you like, that you get rated on, which broaden the scope beyond profit again. So they look at your governance, they look at your workers, they look at your community, they look at obviously the environment and the sustainability impact. And they look at the impact on your customer. So more and more businesses are starting to look at this. I think the other thing I've noticed with B Corp recently is it's something that we as consumers are starting to be more aware of. And I think lots of us are making positive choices about working with B Corp. So although this isn't so much about it being a cynical marketing move, (laughs) I do do think it's something I've been talking to clients about, you know, the bigger clients of mine, you should really think about at least looking at B Corp accreditation and whether that's right for you. Because I think without getting too much into the detail of B Corp at the moment, I think there's a lot of great thinking and the rigorousness of thinking that comes out of that. The other thing I noticed over the summer was... Waitrose did a whole campaign around B Corp 
products that they stock. Oh, so there they? was a whole campaign in their printed media and on their shelves around, you know, these are companies that are doing responsible things in exciting ways. So I think the consumer perception, if you like, or or the value that consumers are going to place on this kind of thing, you know, it's it's almost like that polarization, isn't it? In mm. in recession, you've got that absolute race to the bottom and that very aggressive price cutting and that marketing that's all around you know if you just think about food and and that kind of commodity we're the cheapest but you're always going to have a strata of clients that think yeah but I don't believe that that's ethical or I don't believe that that's sustainable yeah yeah all the best ways to do business and I think it will become a differentiator more and more so to the point where however many years ahead if a company isn't thinking about what should now be the fundamental very basics of, for example, your environmental sustainability, if they're not thinking about the whole gamut of all of that inclusion piece, the diversity piece, the sustainability piece, mm. then they're just not really, I think, hopefully, going to be taken very seriously in business mm. because we do need to step up to that. What I don't want is for this to feel like another stick for us as small business owners or as entrepreneurs or even as you know medium-large business owners to beat ourselves over the head with as something that needs to be done as a tick box exercise, but rather something that we can get excited about that enables us to achieve more of what's possible within our business that still keeps it tied in with what's really important to us at our core values level and at our purpose level. And so that we can not feel ineffective, but so that we sort of have some agency around what we're doing that is going to create some kind of ripple effect in the entrepreneurial community in line with the things that we want to see changes in and not just what somebody else dictates should be our benchmark. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so if we think about this sort of ripple effect without getting too much into the semantics of the details of it, if there was a a ripple effect amongst entrepreneurs, and we've talked about raising the bar and we've talked about what criteria we have for success before, But if there is a ripple effect that you would want to see that moves us beyond profit and starts looking at contribution, what's interesting and juicy to you? Oh, such a good question. So if I think about the design industry, very sadly, you know, I've been in this industry for, well, 23 years now, and I've seen a real shift, not so much with the agencies, but certainly with freelance designers and and small collectives away from this is the work we're doing isn't it gorgeous and much more into how much money can I make how quickly can I make it and how can I sell my expertise as a business owner and I would love Mm. to see that shift back to creativity because Mm. my experience is that whilst there's absolutely a space for coaches that specialize in the design industry and if that's what lights you up that is absolutely the way you should go my sense is that that side of things has become very noisy and it's Mm -hmm. drowning out the people and it's sort of invalidating the people who who just want to create and I think there's something really honest and authentic and valuable in creating amazing work and I don't think we put Mm. enough emphasis on that 
I think we've lost yeah. that, particularly over the last five years, probably. Yeah. So that's the change I'd love to see in that. And I know that on a wider scale, that will impact my clients massively. Mm. Because if yeah. if we're interested in the creative output and the quality of our work, and you know, I I am not saying for one moment that designers aren't doing high quality work because I can see it happening, mm. and I can also see designers that have huge creative potential switching their focus. Yeah, yeah, which may or may not be the right thing for them, but I'd love to see sort of permission that being a designer was enough. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, so I think that could have a really big impact on how it feels to be a designer, but also our experience as clients. Mm. Yeah, and it's interesting what you say about that drive towards more creativity, because I think I yearn for the same, but maybe from a slightly different perspective. I really want people to feel like they can think outside the box about the way they do business. Yes, that's a big thing for you, isn't it? Yeah, so much less following the herd because we need innovation to solve the challenges that we face. We need individuality. There can It can be really easy to create sort of homogenous cultures of business norms and expectations, even in, in, in inverted commas, the right directions. Mm. And I would really love it if people could take the time, the energy and prioritise tapping into and unlocking that, that unique expression of their own, their own way of doing things mm. that, that will hopefully explode business in, into different areas. And I think as more and more people become more conscious about the wider impact of what they do and how we need communities to come together, that creativity will be put into effect for more people Mm. and businesses will start to think more creatively around that I mean we're already seeing the rise of CICs you know community interest corporations which I think is a big move but I'm not suggesting everybody has to do that we don't have to go that far to change the shape of our business but I would like people to think more creatively about well about the good that they can do without sounding too far up my own backside Mm. and about how they can find creative ways to express their own talents their own individuality yeah and their own way of working and I think if I was to add one more ripple effect into that I would love for there to be a greater culture of care I think that's yeah that's a big thing for me as well yeah yeah and we can all very easily do that in every way in our business and and it's not the box ticking we're inclusive we're diverse we're mm. all those things are critically important but if you have a true culture of care we need to start to look at the humanity within our business mm. and how we're interacting with people every day and is it real humanity how much stuff gets automated versus how much stuff for example gets the personal touch and i'm not saying no to automation or I'm not saying no to AI and I'm not saying no to systems and processes because all of those things particularly when you're scaling a business are really important but we are at risk of losing the humanity potentially yeah and that that focus isn't it I think it's the intention Mm. yeah and yeah when we're when we're scaling relentlessly we can lose the humanity and we can lose the intention as you were talking you were reminding me I listened to a podcast with Mary Portis and Matt Gibbard of the Modern House on oh yeah the weekend and she was talking about how her agency because Mary wrote 
the book The Kindness Economy, which again mm. touches on lots of these principles. I haven't read it, but I've listened to lots of her podcasts and they're brilliant. And what she was saying was that in the pandemic overnight, all of her global clients pulled because she's a retail consultant. Mm. So obviously all of her clients pulled their work and mm. she lost her business. So I think right. she said 56 staff and they they lost hundreds of thousands of pounds. And wow. she said of those clients, only one of them asked if she was okay or they wow. were okay. Wow. I know, right? Yeah, because I think we can forget that there are people behind every business. Yes. And so that's the first thing that I think of when you talk about care is, mm. you know, how do we how do we operate? And I think it's it's really important that humanity and just at a basic level, when you're marketing, when you're writing your newsletter, when you're writing your website, speaking to your clients as if they're human beings rather than yeah. an audience or or someone that needs to be sold to, you know, it's connection, isn't it? It is. And it, that requires a level of realness and potentially a level of vulnerability. And that doesn't mean mm. to say you have to, and it completely depends on the nature of your business. You yes. don't have to hang out your laundry <laughs> to drive everybody <laughs> to see it. Um, because also it's about a part of that culture of care is about respecting people's time, respecting what people have the bandwidth for, making sure you're not triggering people into difficult yes. you know, situations or circumstances. Cause that, I think that's a real thing now that, that just having an awareness of, of trauma and triggers and difficulties and and we need to be so sensitive with how we couch things and also I think on the flip side of that we also need to be compassionate for hopefully understanding that people are doing the best that they can so if you yeah. inadvertently trip up or you miss something or you haven't been as inclusive as you intended to be mm -hmm. um then that culture of sort of compassion and understanding and we're all humans just trying to do the right thing hopefully mm. I mean I don't know anyone in business who's deliberately trying to do the wrong thing I think some people are more intentional about it than others and I suppose that's where I get quite excited with what is the attitude that we want to adopt about how we approach business and whether we decide to put that front and center on a website or in our positioning or any of that piece almost doesn't matter but I think being very intentional, being very clear for yourself about the things that are important, how they align with your values, what you're prepared to tolerate and not tolerate in your own business, in your clients, uh, in your supply chain, will create an energy around your business that has a particular ripple effect. And the more intentional we can be about that, the better. Mm -hmm. And the more closely linked it will be to our motivation because what I also see is for a lot of entrepreneurs that feel like they're sort of in isolation or working in silo when they lose that connection between their business and the greater impact that it has their motivations dips and they struggle to find the raison d'etre you know but if you know you're working towards something that's going to have a deeper a bigger impact in an area that is important to you then it just gives us something else to get up for something else to drive for something else to be accountable to. And I think that's one of the other pieces, I think, that makes the difference between this being slightly airy-fairy and something that has a bit more grit mm. is both the ESG and the B Corp certification has governance written into it and how you are transparent and accountable to what you define your objectives as being. And I think that's quite a key piece 
for us to bear in mind, whether we make ourselves externally accountable or mm. not. But just having some measure of am I am I reaching this mark? Am I having the impact that I want to have? Mm. And I know there are, you know, there are a lot of businesses out there that are taking these things very seriously. I mean, you've been working with with a few recently, haven't you? Yeah. Um, so I'm working with a skincare client in Australia at the moment. And I've got a B Corp client who's an accountant as well. Mm. So yeah, my client in Australia isn't a B Corp and probably isn't the type. Again, she's a solopreneur at the moment. But every and, and funnily enough, she's also an ex-venture capitalist. So right. you would imagine that she would be in the solo relentless pursuit of profit. Yeah. But actually, she brings that level of grit and energy and vision to her business. Absolutely. But what I love about her is that she has this uncompromising approach to quality, to sustainability, to the ethics mm. of what she's doing. So she will hunt high and low for the best quality rose oil, for example. Mm. And if profit was her only driver, she wouldn't be looking for the best. She'd be looking for the cheapest. Yeah. But actually, she's looking for the most sustainable, the most potent, the most powerful. Mm. And that really genuinely comes through in the product. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, this this quantifying of best, particularly like, for example, when it comes to essential oils, you know, I used to work in that field a lot. Mm. And Best often used to just mean potency. Mm. But now if you're sourcing the best rose oil or the best uh, rose wood oil, for mm. example, the best has to include a sustainability factor. And some yeah. of those oils aren't always sustainable. So producers and, and suppliers like Arnia are looking at those things to make sure that best includes best for planet and people, yeah. not just best for bottom line. Yeah. Um, and so I think thinking about, well, what does it mean to be doing our best in business? And how can we broaden that beyond our own, just our own capabilities and talents and bringing our unique magic and doing an excellent job? Mm. Best needs to incorporate something wider than that for all of us now. And it, I don't think it should be left just to the big corporates. No, no. And also, I think we've got a real opportunity in smaller business for it not to become the greenwashing tick boxing that yeah. it has become. I mean, Shell are calling themselves a sustainable organization. Mm. I mean, they're calling themselves a green energy company. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to rant on about it, but we all know how ridiculous that is. Yeah. So I think we've got a real opportunity in small business to make it, you know, truly authentic mm. in how we do this. And we get to define our own criteria obviously taken under advisement of people who've done a lot of this work for a long time and are educating us as to the things we should be looking at mm. and making sure that we include in that criteria. But I think there's definitely scope for how do we make our industry better? How do we make our communities better? Mm. How do we do better business across the board? And I think it's really exciting. Yeah, and and not to make this an advert for B Corp but I think that's one of the things that B Corp is very good for is that yeah. really rigorous audit of what you're doing and pulling up things that you might not have thought about 
Yeah. And what I've experienced just in my limited experience with them is they are actually walking the talk as well because yeah. the community around B Corp and B Lab who administer the um, certification process, they are an incredibly friendly, human-centered, supportive community. Well, that's the other side of it, isn't it? It's almost about how do you want to treat people? How do you want to make people feel? What kind of culture do you want to create? Both yeah. in your team, but also in the way that you treat your clients. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's something that we all have the power to do and is often overlooked. And yeah. you're asking me for examples of clients that I've worked with, and this isn't a client, but my sister-in-law has a training company in the north of England. And she was telling me over the summer holidays how she's a year into trialing a four-day week. Oh, great. So she's been doing this for, yeah, a year. And she's been experimenting with, during term time, everyone gets to work a four-day week. But not only are they working a four-day week, they're only working 32 hours a week. Wow. So she hasn't. I My first question was, have you cut their pay and have you extended their hours? And the answer to both those things was no. Wow. I know, right? So she's effectively given them a 20% pay rise, I guess. Yeah. Um, in holiday times, because they're off, they actually need to work five days a week. Yeah. And she said her productivity has improved it's not gone down it's improved and I mean for me that was such a mindset shift because with my design agency it was all about productivity and hours and and kind of billable hours I guess and and it will be with hers as well I mean it's the training consultancy so it's absolutely about the hours that they're able to deliver Mm. um so what does she put that increase in productivity down to did you ask her well I think they're more motivated and I guess they're they're more refreshed they're less tired they're Mm -hmm. much more focused and I think she was also talking about there's more loyalty because how many you know who else gets to say they work four days a week but they're paid for five yeah so I think we're gonna start seeing more innovative things like that happening Mm. Mm. yeah and we should do and I think when I'm sort of asking the question to myself of, you know, well, where do you put that innovation? Where do, where do you put your focus? I think if we come back to this human centered piece, it could be easy for us to come up with brilliant initiatives for our staff or our team or great things we can give over and above to our clients. But how do we know what to do and where to put that? And I think if we can have a dialogue with our consumers, if we can have a dialogue with our workforce, if we can recognize not just assume but recognize Mm. the real difficulties for people and the problems that they're actually up against which might be harder to solve than the ones you want to solve for them for the sake of just doing something nice I think that brings it much more into the realm of a more human-centered approach and it was interesting I was at a charity event a panel event last week for Tommy's the pregnancy charity that I support Mm. And I was listening to their panel and, and the focus was all about supporting pregnancy loss at work wow. and how we can shift the legislation and the narrative around doing that. And some people there were sharing incredible stories. And 
what was heartening was a lot of organisations now waking up to the fact that this is something that needs to be taken seriously, just mm. purely because of the staggering numbers. You know, one in four pregnancies are don't make it through to full term in the UK. Mm. And what came across was kindness and care counts for almost more than anything else. Mm. Flexibility of working pressures and ongoing flexibility. So, you know, like that four days a week or just yeah. recognising that people have have a lot on and grief isn't very convenient. You know, it doesn't just no. hit us outside of working mm. hours or whenever that happens. Or in a two-week block of compassionate leave. <laughs> oh, exactly. Well, I mean, unfortunately, the new legislation is is going for, um, for three days okay. compassionate leave for that kind of loss. It's a starting point, right? Yeah. Which is great. And I think that's the other thing that came out of that particular event as well, which, which ties more into this in a more general sense is, we don't have to wait for somebody to legislate for this stuff. No. We don't actually have to wait to become a B Corps or to get our ESG score. We can take this on board ourselves as something that we think is important. The same day you were at Tommy's, I was at a solidarity celebration. Mm. And that was all about celebrating the volunteers. And there were a few amazing stories that came out of that. Lots of stories from volunteers about why they volunteer for the charity and and what they get from it. You know, some of them have done 500 hours in a year, which is incredible. Wow. Yeah. But also stories from corporate partners like Sky and Immediate Media and what they got. And, And one of the people was saying that when you work for a corporate, opportunities to volunteer come along quite often. And it's how you feel after you've volunteered that makes such a difference and yeah solidarity work with children recovering from complex trauma Mm. and the difference that you can make to those children but also the perspective that that gives you going back into your life but also your work that Mm. has a big ripple effect on how you show up to your team to your organization to your business and yeah and then how your perspective shifts over time and I suppose the other thing that that leads me on to is over the weekend I had a few conversations with people about oh that'll be great for their CV so one of my friend's daughter amazingly won British National Swimming Championships I mean how phenomenal and Jasper, my middle one, is refereeing. And both times I was talking to people about that, both times the automatic thing that came out of people's mouths was, well, that will be great on the CV. Mm. And I was like, (laughs) but I I don't really think it's about that. You know, with the girl that has just won the British National, sorry, English, not British, English National Swimming Championships, she has learned about committing She's learned yeah. about excellence. She's learned about the value of hard work and tenacity. Mm. Jasper isn't just ticking a box for his university application. He's learning to communicate with children younger than him. He's, hold, he's learning to hold a line. He's learning to stay calm when all these 11-year-olds want to do is fight each other. <laughs> Bless him. I know. And I think... So often we focus on what box we can tick or how many points that's going to get us for the B Corp scale. But actually, I think 
it's so much more subtle and powerful than that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's so much more to gain. Yeah. And an opportunity to round us out, like you say, round us out as individuals, get us into spaces of experience that we wouldn't have otherwise, challenge the edges. I've worked in some very, particularly on the campaign, some very challenging spaces where my you know, I had to start to get opinions about things that I hadn't really thought about before. Mm. People were asking me, well, where do you stand on this? And I was like, well, okay, I need to give that, give that some thought. And I think all of that is really useful thinking time and energy invested to, to actually take a stand, to not sit on the fence somewhere and to go, no, I stand for this. I advocate for this. I want to make a change in this area. This is important to me. This is valuable to our society. When I hear about what a lot of the entrepreneurs, if they could wave a magic wand, what they wish they would have the scope to do in their business, mm. it's always in service. I mean, genuinely, it really is. And yeah. I don't know whether that's because I'm lucky and I get, I just get incredibly awesome humans to work with but there is something that says I'd like to be able to do more in this area you know so one of my clients who provides support for organizations uh, working with secondary trauma for example she does a lot of work with foster carers and Mm. um, other organizations like that she would like to clone herself 10 times over so that everybody in the service gets what they need Mm. she's not saying I want to better make more money yeah she's saying I want this to have the impact you know, and another client who's really passionate about changing the face of education. It's like, no, I, ju- I just want all head teachers to have this support because I know it will make a difference. Yeah. And, and I think there is something really core within us that recognizes, and it you know, comes simply back to Maslow's hierarchy, if you like, the need for belonging and the importance of community, that sense of knowing where you fit and being of use Exactly. is I think, really vital to us as entrepreneurs and whether your product or your service directly does that or whether just by virtue of making money in an organization you can then offer to support something else financially then then I think it's a really important driver a lot of people also come to me with a sort of poverty mindset if you like or a lack of worth mindset mm. and one of the things that gets them over the line to stepping up to actually being able to make money with their businesses is the recognition that if they have more they can do more yeah and you don't have to have more to excess you can have enough well it you were reminding me as we were talking so lovely Ema of mind canopy posted a couple oh, weeks yeah. ago she said the goal isn't more money the goal is living life on your own terms yes and i reposted that and the response i got was huge absolutely huge yeah and I think if we're only focused around revenue we really are missing opportunities aren't we to connect and and have that that force that you talked about that vitality force that sustains us more Mm. yeah and it's not as easy these days to just give money in order to have a positive impact. So I was accosted the other day after Tommy's event, actually, in um, Carnaby Street by a young guy who was a paid charity worker for Centrepoint. Okay. And he did a great pitch. I'd supported Centrepoint previously for a long time. And for whatever reason, they dropped off my subscription list or Mm. what have you. And he just happened to catch me when I was feeling very charitable, having gone to the Tommy's event. And he did a really good pitch and he was very personal 
and he shared his own story and he shared the story of his girlfriend and but then he also had a very a very compelling closing line which was what got me back over the line and he said he said if you spent 13 pounds a month on this would you still be able to feed your kids get to work and enjoy most of the lifestyle that you currently enjoy mm. for th- if if i spent yeah. 13 pounds a month and i thought there's no way I can answer no to that question. Yeah. So I had to sign up because I thought <laughs> I'd be an absolute ass. Yeah. I, I was like, oh, actually, no. Now, I totally understand why people don't because it's a, it's a, there's a lot of people asking for money and it's a choice and it's a, but yeah. center point. And, and you need to decide where you want to put that £13, don't you? If it hadn't been center point, I probably would have walked away, but because yeah. they used to be on my list and they're mm. not anymore, it was a done deal because I, I know the work they do is incredible. But it's not as easy for a lot of us to just give money anymore. It's not that easy now. So I think we need to be more creative around what we can give and how we can give. And whether that's time, whether that's expertise, whether that's energy, whether that's your voice to something, creating a platform for something. I think there's a lot of ways where we can increase our impact and increase our ripple effect if we're discerning. I, I almost wonder whether, you know, if we think back to the ripple effect and what having a hands-on impact in a charity does rather than simply giving the money, is it mm. It actually brings about, in my experience, it brings about a lot more positivity. And that's not just in terms of yeah. how great I feel about myself from a selfish point of view, but actually... Mm. Yes, the impact I feel like I'm able to have on my community. And I'd shared something, and I won't go into the detail of what I'd shared, but I'd shared something quite political. Right. And I'd had lots of positive response. I did have quite a backlash from one person who said, I believe that Instagram is not the place to share political opinions. I believe that if it's you know if you've got a business account it should be mm. business focused and i thought about it for a couple of days didn't respond because never respond in anger or indignation mm. but actually i'd been at solidarity and i'd heard those conversations and stories about marginalized people and mm. people suffering from trauma and i felt very strongly that this was directly linked to my opinion on this particular political character and I just thought actually do you know what I used to think the same but I'm lucky enough to have a platform and I want to use that as a force for good and I can't stand behind every political conversation or have an opinion on everything because frankly I don't Mm. but but I think you know whether it's awareness raising or whether it's helping people get known about causes I do think that's potentially part of what you're saying about going back to this idea of care Mm. yeah it's interesting are we obliged to use our platform what is our platform for I think two things come to mind for me one is a respect for our audience and whatever we put out there needs to be appropriate yeah. And to some degree expected by that audience. Yeah. If I am someone who's built up a reputation as a 
I don't know, vegan food supplier, if I'm then suddenly going to advocate for the best burger in town, it's, you know, it's that sort of feeling doesn't work. But I also think this sort of don't talk about politics at the table, don't talk about religion, don't talk about sex. You know, it's it's a very old school way of looking at things. Mm. And I think we do have not a responsibility, but we have an opportunity to be really well-rounded and to be quite discerning about the things that we choose to talk about because every cause is a good one right for various reasons Mm. and I think I think if we this is where our sort of values come in and our own particular purpose and our own history and our own legacy and our own story there are so many charities or causes or environmental campaigns or social campaigns that I feel incredibly passionate about and feel like they need more of a voice but which ones are aligned with my unique purpose, my unique passions, where I can add most value, I think is a question that's worth asking us because it's spreading ourselves too thinly helps no one. Mm. There is something about a true connection with purpose and values and a lived and felt experience and, and an authentic backstory that does more for that cause than just someone who's able to be very articulate about it. Mm. You know, I was able to speak very passionately about HS2, for example, coming through the woodland, because those were the woodlands that I played in with my kids. Yeah, yeah. And we used to work on local campaigns to preserve the chalk stream, and that was going to be affected. You know, I I was able to do that. Mm. And so it felt aligned, and it felt right, and it felt personal. And those messages got through with bigger bang for their buck, actually, Mm. because it was very human-centred. You know, the same with Tommy's. I've experienced pregnancy loss. I've experienced that very closely with friends. So it has an emotive connection. I mean, we're not just talking about the purview of charities here, by the way, because that's not obviously the only way we can add impact with our work and with our voice. But I suppose what I'm interested in is what do we stand for as individuals and as a community? What do we want to advocate for? What do we stand against? And how can we how can we create a ripple using the vehicle of our businesses to do that without all becoming avid campaigners or hitting our consumers over the head with do-gooder messages all the time yeah or aggressive messages that's the other thing is you know thinking about the type that it might be a cause that's very close to your heart but if it's if it's written aggressively or provocatively that may or may not be right for your brand but it it will you know the bottom line is me sharing that kind of thing will have commercial impacts on my business yes if you feel strongly, I don't think we need to be overthinking it or apologising. You know, apologise, of course, if you've upset somebody or offended them or, you know, that's that's different. But I think we shouldn't feel like because this is our business, we can't share awareness about this cause or this perspective. Because actually, if you if you think about the kind of world that you want to live in and the kind of world you want your kids to grow up in, if you feel strongly... Mm. that this causes either furthering that or something is taking away from it and you want to share it I don't feel that you shouldn't be allowed to use your platform yeah yeah no I'd agree and I think there are other ways we can do it as well particularly for those businesses that don't have a big outward platform is we can create a quiet revolution of leading by example yeah yeah we're creating a business that has a sustainable supply chain 
that has a reputation for humanity to its customer base, that treats its workforce well, that treats its suppliers well, that that is just known for showing up on social media sites with kindness and care and good thinking and intelligence and, you know, whatever it is you want to advocate for within your sphere of influence. I think we can quietly do that without having to shout about it and the ripple we may not see the ripple. We may yeah. not be making too much noise about it, but yeah. I think it's definitely there. Yeah, I think you're right. There's something very honest about doing that, actually, isn't there? Yeah, very much so. And a lot of the clients that I'm working with that are going for B Corp status aren't shouting about it. No. Well, they certainly aren't at the moment. And they're just doing it because, well, it's the right we, thing we want, to do. It's the right thing to yeah. do. Yeah. 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 I often think, you know, what's the right thing to do here? Yeah. Yeah. And our own values will determine that. And hopefully they'll be socially responsible, environmentally responsible. And I suppose it's I'm a really strong advocate for not just doing it because it's right, but because it has such a positive impact on your get up and go, on your lust for life, on your passion for your work, on the the impact you can make across the board and more of that energy is better than less, I reckon. Yeah. When I had my design agency, I inherited terms and conditions from mm. the print franchisor. And I couldn't understand them. And they weren't fair. Right. So as a result, I never, ever followed them through. Mm. You know, I would get absolutely bulldozed. I remember one client once sent me a Photoshop file with spelling mistakes in it. And they, I mean, this probably says more about me than than the terms and conditions, but bullied me into saying that I had changed it and it was my fault. And, you know, swore black was blue and um, we ended up paying for the reprint. But, you know, there were various things where because the terms weren't really fair. Yeah. It was very difficult to implement them. So when I set up the brand stylist, I wrote my terms in English rather than legal speak. Yeah. And I just thought, what is going to be fair here? You know, what's mm. a fair deposit? What's a fair cancellation policy? What's a fair this? Yeah. What's a fair that? And fair to you and your clients. That's what right? I mean. Not yeah. not skewed to them, not skewed to me, but what's fair and reasonable. And, you know, I run through scenarios in my head and is yeah. that, you know, if you if you pull out of a workshop last minute well, that's not fair if I give you the money back because I can't sell that blade. So it's got to be fair and reasonable. And I have to say, touch wood, in 10 years now, nine years of running the brand stylist, I have never had an issue with my terms and conditions because Mm. they're fair, because I thought about what's the right thing to do. The right thing is to not only set them up in a way that's sort of equally balanced, but also communicated clearly so that people can understand what they're getting themselves into yeah and I think this thing about fairness is interesting isn't it because for me there's always a huge growth area of when I think about fairness equality inclusion equity those those big pieces of things that we're all probably grappling with to one degree or another whether Mm. that's in business or personally socially it's an it's a continual conversation to expand my own awareness as to what fairness really means. Yeah. Yeah. In the context of 
trying to decolonize myself as a very privileged white person and as an educated person as what is fair in one sphere isn't fair in another the reason I'm saying this is with all of this stuff whatever whenever we decide to do good (laughs) in inverted commas there's a there's a whole load of white saviorist baggage that comes with that yeah And there's a whole load of territory that we need to begin to navigate with care and caution. And it can actually become a bit of a minefield and end up as a stick to beat ourselves with. Mm. And what I, I suppose I would love to have as a general panacea for the entire population is an understanding that people are trying their best with this. And as long as we have the attitude of curiosity and willingness to learn and willingness to fess up and apologize and forgive and I don't think anyone really has the right not to be offended but I would also like to think that most people in business who are doing business well would intentionally go out there not to offend yeah um, and to actually therefore have given it some thought as to how things might be perceived by different groups of people by people with different neurotypes by people in different economic backgrounds you know all of those groups of people that we need to be thinking about so that it really is human it really is a human policy or a human process or a human um approach to something and and it is an evolving and challenging conversation but I think the potential is huge Mm. if we can just all get on this bandwagon of creating more positive cultures that are more human-centered So one of the things you've skirted around quite a lot is that your sense of purpose and I guess your own values are going to drive the sort of positive impact that you can and will be most inspired to make. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. And that brings with it the potential for more passion in your business. Yeah. And the more passion that goes in, the greater the ripple effect. And and I do think for me, business doesn't actually work in a linear transactional way we might have product for price Mm. we might have you know service and send out the invoice and get that back so we can we can sort of be fooled into thinking that there is a cause and effect relationship between what we put in and what comes back into the overall growth of our business Mm. and I genuinely believe after years and years of doing this that it doesn't work like that Mm that that is almost, as long as that is in place, that's almost accidental to the amount of passion and energy and the ripple that we create through the wider web of what we do that then comes back around into the greater picture of the both economic, emotional, physical, practical wealth of our overall business. Mm. So I think to make this probably slightly more practical if we want to start creating more positive cultures for good we we do need to start digging into what we're most passionate about and the changes we would like to make Mm. on the people that we can impact look at our relationship between our business and that end point and how we can affect those changes I'd be looking at creating for myself some kind of framework of what do I want to be intentional about yeah And if that's aligned with my values and the values of my client base, then that can only be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And this is something you can just start, I guess, just doing one thing at a time. It doesn't have to be a... Absolutely. ...does it? 
Yeah, absolutely. In the same way that anyone going for B Corps, you know, you you can do the whole thing in a day, but you can take 18 months to work through and to, you know, and in the clients that I'm working with, I'm advising them to start with, start where their interest lies, mm. start where they know they can gain some traction. So start with the easy wins, coming full circle back to the beginning of the conversation around thinking outside the box and bringing our creativity to it is what is it that's going to put a fire in our belly? Mm. And this isn't about getting your code of practices up and running. This isn't about getting your processes and your procedures tightened no, up. because that doesn't put fire in most of our It doesn't belly. put fire in the belly. And that's also, that's the everyday stuff of your business that you should be working on anyway. This is around envisioning and getting excited about the culture you want to create. And how, with what you think, with what you do, with what you say, with what you bring, can you start to create more of that? Amazing. In this episode, we mentioned two charities, Solidarity Sports and Tommy's. I'd just like to tell you a little bit more about what they do and where you can get more information. Solidarity Sports, established in 2007, has harnessed the transformative power of play to nurture disadvantaged children recovering from complex trauma. They work really hard to support children healing through sports, healthy eating, arts, educational trips, mentorship programmes and holidays within the UK and abroad. The glue that binds their programmes together is a commitment to creating a safe, inclusive and loving environment where happy memories can flourish. If you want to find out more about the incredible work of Solidarity Sports, you can go to their website, solidaritysports.org. And the other charity close to my heart is Tommy's, which funds vital research into miscarriage, stillbirth and premature birth. Tommy's believe that every baby lost is one too many and they exist to support, care for and champion people, no matter where they may be on their pregnancy journey. Their work is incredible. And if you'd like to find out more about what they do and how to support you can go to Tommy's, T-O-M-M-Y-S dot org. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to Style and Substance. We really hope you've enjoyed the show. You can find more information on everything we've talked about by heading to the show notes or by visiting our websites at thebrand-stylist.com or elizabethcairns.com. If you like what you've heard, we'd love a review. We're a brand new show and your support makes all the difference. You can like and subscribe, as well as giving us what we hope is a well-deserved five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show too, so please do leave your comments, questions or suggestions for future episodes on our blogs. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye.